I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Okay, friends, welcome back to another episode. Last week's episode, I didn't have a whole lot to update you on in terms of what I'm reading, what I'm listening to, what I'm watching, but it's been actually a couple of weeks for me since I recorded last week's episode because I pre-recorded everything before going to England with Jamie. So I have a few updates and a few kind of surprising updates. I've started to delve into specifically some books and some podcasts that are outside of what I would typically gravitate towards, but that I've been really enjoying. So starting off with books, I have actually shared this a couple of times on TikTok, on Instagram, so you may have seen this book on my feed. The first one is called Wear It Well, and it's by Alison Bornstein. Now, you may have actually seen her on TikTok. I came across her for what she calls her three-word method, which is basically a way of categorizing your style and streamlining your style. And I really love systems like that and ways of making tasks that are overwhelming like style and fashion for myself easier and just to be able to compartmentalize a bit more. So actually as a result of reading this book, I decided that I want to do a little series on it. So keep an eye on TikTok and Instagram and I'll also be doing an episode on that whole process. I've done one episode before on personal style and generally like aesthetic but this is going to be a bit different and I'm actually really excited for that. The other book that I mentioned that I was reading is a childbirth book. I mentioned that I really wanted to start to get prepared for childbirth and to prime my mind with positive, you know, uplifting or even neutral birth stories, things that can help me to normalize the experience in my mind and recognize that I am capable of childbirth. It's always been something that I've been a little bit scared of. And I think that has been 
influenced by consuming scary or traumatic birth stories. And so this has been a really positive read so far. I'm only in sort of the first section, which is predominantly people sharing their birth stories. And I've really, really been enjoying that one. In terms of what I'm watching, Jamie and I started the Beckhams. I think it's called that. I don't know what the actual name of the series is called, but the kind of docu-series about mainly David Beckham, but also Victoria Beckham and their family. And initially I was not interested in this series. I saw people talking about it online because I'm not a soccer or for my UK listeners, European listeners, football fan at all. It's like not something that I would necessarily choose to watch but, and and for that reason, I wasn't gravitating towards that series, but my sister said she really liked it, and Jamie and I started it when we were in England, and so far, I'm really, really enjoying it. Another one that I've come back to, actually, is Selling Sunset. I started the new season, and I gotta say, like, I like reality TV, But this newest season is simply out of hand and it's just messy in a way that I don't love and it's just so catty and toxic and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how much longer I can actually watch this show because to be honest, I actually really like the real estate side of things, but I feel like it's so rarely about that and I find the dynamics so frustrating in the show, like people's communication skills and just the conflict resolution on that show is shocking. Um, But we did start that. And then because we were finding it so bad, we decided to start selling the OC, which I've never seen that series before. And it basically started with a lot of drama as well. So I don't know if we're going to keep up with that, but that's pretty much what we've been watching. Okay. And then lastly, podcasts. One new podcast that I recently came across is the Who, What, Where podcast with Hillary Kerr. So I actually started listening to this podcast because I wanted to hear a little bit more about the book that I've been reading by Alison Bornstein, so that style book, Wear It Well, and they had an episode together, and that's kind of how I got into the Who, What, Where podcast, and I've been enjoying it. Again, not something I would actually typically gravitate towards, but as we'll talk about in the episode where we discuss personal style and self-expression and identity, I'm actually beginning to look at that area of my life as a source of self-expression and inspiration and creativity. And so I've actually really been enjoying that podcast. And then another one, kind of more on the childbirth side of things, I'm starting to really prep myself here. And I came across this podcast called Evidence-Based Birth. It's interesting because You know, you see a lot on TikTok and Instagram, at least I do, about, you know, different tips for childbirth. And this is kind of from a evidence-based perspective. So looking at different studies associated with a lot of popular claims. So things that I've been seeing online are things like 
pineapple, eating pineapple leading up to labor and dates and red raspberry leaf tea and all these different things that can become very overwhelming to know which ones to actually try. And of course, listening to this podcast is also coinciding with consulting with my own midwife and making sure that everything is right for me. But I have found that one to be very helpful and useful in discerning some of what I'm seeing online about childbirth. Okay, so moving into today's episode, last week we sort of focused on the topic of internalized misogyny and some of the dynamics that suggest that it is still alive and well in many of us, even if we've done work to deconstruct it. In part one, I wanted to focus on exploring some of these dynamics, including competition and friendship and amongst women in general, as well as attitudes towards successful women. So we kind of explored those dynamics a little bit, as well as some of the theories as to why these dynamics exist and how they can be harmful on not just a personal, but also a community level. And something that I mentioned a couple of times throughout the episode is that to me, connections with women can be such a source of immense safety and joy and community. And I have a lot of my connections with women to thank for so many different aspects of my well-being. And at the same time, the severing of these connections or the presence of some of the dynamics we talked about can be very painful and unpleasant and generally quite limiting. Whether you're on the receiving end or you're the one perpetuating certain dynamics. And while it's one thing to discuss how internalized misogyny is manifesting both on an internal and external level and why, ultimately I want this conversation to be solution-oriented, to provide some thoughts as to what we can do about uncovering these dynamics either within ourselves or others. So today's focus, part two, is going to be potential solutions to interrupt these dynamics, whether, again, we're experiencing them manifesting internally, we witness them externally, or we're on the receiving end of something. And the list is surely long, but the manifestations that we discussed of internalized misogyny in episode one include judgment, jealousy, competition, and, you know, I should mention competition that goes beyond friendly competition, or a feeling of satisfaction at the failure of another woman. So all dynamics, like I mentioned, that I think can hinder or sever connections amongst women, which I think are important not only for our own well-being, but in order to address and challenge larger systems of oppression. I added some disclaimers at the beginning of part one, which I'm not going to repeat in this episode, but the disclaimers for this episode are the same. The short version is that I don't intend to position myself as an expert, but 
simply to share my own experiences with an audience that I feel, I hope, will resonate on some level, being 98% women. And there's no intention of shaming, blaming, pointing the finger, but recognizing that we all have a part to play in the solution and in moving towards better outcomes for women, but ultimately for everyone. And what I'm trying to say here is that, of course, the solution is not all on women. And if you are listening to this and you don't identify as a woman, then you, of course, are included in this conversation. But if we can, at the very least, come together in small ways and aim to interrupt the perpetuation of these dynamics and behaviors amongst one another, I think that is the ultimate goal of this discussion. I want to start off by saying that I think before we can even begin to challenge and interrupt any kind of dynamic externally, it only makes sense to address and unpack what's going on internally. And I do think that examining our own thought patterns and internalized beliefs about ourselves and other women can be more difficult and confronting than observing how these things may manifest in others. And while it's difficult, I think it's necessary to come to terms with our own internalized misogyny and deconstruct on that level first. But I don't think that this has to be done through a critical lens, more so with a sense of curiosity. So maybe noticing feelings of jealousy, resentment, criticism, competition towards other women, and taking a moment to discern whether those initial feelings or reactions reflect how we really feel or how we really want to feel. I find that the initial thought or the initial feeling that I may have in an area where I am insecure is not always the most accurate thought or how I wish to feel or think. So let's say I notice myself becoming very jealous of another woman for some reason. Asking myself rather than responding to that jealousy, you know, why do I feel jealous of this person? What do they represent to me? What or who do they remind me of? Maybe is there a painful experience associated with what this person represents to me? And, you know, really trying to understand are my judgments or feelings of jealousy based in reality? Or is this an old narrative or insecurity playing out? Is how I feel about this person how I want to feel? Those are just some of the examples that I use myself when I notice these thoughts creeping in. And actually, from this sort of curious, non judgmental stance towards myself, I think that challenging my own initial feelings or reactions, let's say of jealousy towards other women, provides me with some really interesting data about myself. I find that these feelings, for example, of jealousy are 
especially prominent when I interpret someone else as having more of a resource that I feel I lack or, you know, there's not enough of to go around. So there's this scarcity mindset that I'm operating from. So when I notice these feelings come up, it's actually an opportunity to perhaps fulfill an unmet need or even shift my narrative or relationship with something I believe I lack. And this is something that I'm continuously doing and continuously coming into contact with is, okay, what does this person represent to me? What resource do I perceive they have more of that I feel I lack? Is this an opportunity for me to fulfill that need for myself or shift my relationship with whatever the resource is? So that could be, you know, career success, male attention, friendship, popularity, and that has been a very interesting opportunity for reflection. Moving into how these dynamics can manifest externally, I mentioned in part one that one of the most obvious places I observe this happening is social media. And, you know, I spoke about the apparent intensity and urgency with which the masses come to tear down a woman whether that's through public humiliation, shaming, canceling, or just simply attacking someone's success. And what I find to be sad a lot of the time is that when I look through the comments, I see a lot of women joining in or perpetuating these dynamics. And while I do think that there is a heightened level of intensity in the behaviors that are somehow deemed socially acceptable online, it's actually not hard to find these dynamics playing out offline, maybe on a different scale. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I find that especially within social spaces, and I have examples of this throughout my entire life, you know, even from being very young, I have found that there's a lot of criticism or judgment of other women that comes up as a topic of conversation, you know, maybe even at least once in a given social interaction. And Again, I know this probably manifests in different levels of intensity depending on the group. I've been in some spaces where it's not been quite as prominent, others where it has. And I'm not suggesting necessarily that it's only present in predominantly female social settings, but that is where I have felt the majority of these things playing out. So whether that's, you know, criticizing or judging another woman's appearance or relationships or career or even parenting style, to name a few, it's just interesting to observe, I think, once you start noticing it, it's hard to ignore how often women become the topic of conversation and especially from a critical standpoint. What we came here to discuss, though, was, you know, what we can do when we encounter this within ourselves or externally, whether that's online or offline. And the first thing that comes to mind that I want to share, I think, especially as it pertains to social media, is the idea that attention equals currency. And that's one thing that we have the power to withdraw if we see something we don't align with online, for example. So, you know, videos that are created to mock or shame or embarrass or tear down a woman gain traction the more we give them our attention and the more we engage with them. Of course, that makes sense. And sometimes it feels like what is me not giving my attention to this thing going to accomplish like I'm only one person but obviously I think that's how it starts is people just deciding that we're no longer going to participate in certain dynamics and so my first thought is to withdraw our attention where possible because attention is a very valuable resource and That can apply to dynamics happening offline as well. I think sometimes a perfectly reasonable solution is to simply remove ourselves from a conversation or to give less energy or attention to either our own internalized misogyny or outward manifestations of it. And 
you know, I'm not suggesting don't challenge these dynamics or narratives where possible, but sometimes, unfortunately, there is a sense that a productive conversation isn't really going to happen. What's interesting is that I think a lot of it comes down to also like group and pack mentality. And I do believe that there must be a sense of safety or satisfaction gained from engaging or joining in to pack or group mentality. Even if we don't fully agree with something, it feels good to be included in a collective cause. And what I've experienced myself is a feeling of discomfort and sometimes even anxiety in contradicting or challenging something that a lot of people are buying into or participating in, whether that's online or even in person, offline. And of course, I would love to be in a place where I feel comfortable voicing my opinions or contradicting something that I feel is unfair, but I'll be honest in saying that I'm not there yet in every single circumstance. And from my perspective, like I said, a lot of spaces don't seem to be conducive to those types of conversation. And what I've observed is generally the safer I feel in a group or in a social setting or relationship, the more comfortable I feel interrupting or contradicting or challenging you know, certain narratives or judgments that are being cast. But I can appreciate that this is not always the case. And I would say, especially online, I don't really actually feel safe in a lot of conversations. And so, like I said, something I am aware of is that at the very least, I can start with not participating. What I would say is that my desire to participate in judging someone, for example, or joining in with a group mentality, even when I don't fully agree with it, is rooted in a desire to be included in some way and also is often rooted in insecurity and low self-esteem. For me, the goal is to feel comfortable challenging misogynistic behavior or comments, but I do appreciate that there are a couple of factors that influence my level of comfortability. Number one, like we discussed, how safe I feel in a given space, and number two, my own level of insecurity. So they're just things to consider as I move towards that space where I'm challenging these dynamics. And as a step in that direction, what still feels valid to me is to, at the very least, remove myself and my energy from certain dynamics and to withdraw my attention and participation. So here's an example. Let's say you have a member of your extended family or maybe an extended friend group who is making misogynistic comments or being super judgmental. And maybe in the past, because you felt a certain level of discomfort with that dynamic, and you didn't want them to feel uncomfortable, you would join in and laugh, let's say, at the joke or the comment that they had made. A step 
for me in the direction of being eventually comfortable confronting that situation is to not cater to the other person's comfort level and just not participate. Not participate by joining in, by agreeing with them even when you don't, by laughing with them, whatever that looks like. But with that being said, what about when we do feel comfortable challenging a specific dynamic or let's say a comment that has been made? Through trial and error, I felt that approaching these conversations with aggression does not really lead to anything productive, which makes sense because I think it's actually somewhat human nature to go into defense mode when we feel threatened or like we're being called out or attacked for something. I mean, sometimes it's hard to contain reactions when something is especially triggering or frustrating, but I've generally found that I resonate more with the calling in approach where possible and I find that to be more conducive to conversation. And then also I find myself to be more receptive if there's something I'm being challenged on, which I should mention is actually a skill that I think is really important in this conversation is having the ability to challenge but also be challenged. I'm not suggesting that by deconstructing my own internalized misogyny, I'm not going to ever participate in or perpetuate judgment or criticism or competition with other women. So if I'm going to suggest that as part of the solution, we get comfortable challenging others, then it would only make sense that we need to be comfortable being challenged. Or even as I mentioned before, through asking ourselves questions challenging ourselves, which I think is a lot harder. I think to be challenged by someone else sometimes, again, feels like we're under attack or like someone thinks we're a bad person. And I think that one thing that is not talked about enough or emphasized enough is how to have difficult conversations where you may be disagreeing on something, but the objective is to move forward in some way or to understand each other in some way. I mean, I can think of so many topics that feel impossible to have open, non-judgmental, productive conversations about, and I'm sure you can too, but those are the conversations that I think require that open-mindedness and non-judgment and the ability to have a productive conversation because if we're not able to, then we can't move forward and progress and I've just always had this gut feeling that approaching difficult conversations with the objective of being right or being the better person or shaming or shutting someone down it just doesn't seem to lead anywhere good and don't get me wrong I have approached many conversations in this way and so it's trial and error like I said I just haven't witnessed positive outcomes From that approach. So I'm very interested in techniques that can soften these conversations, not just about what we're talking about today, but anything that feels challenging or where we disagree. So I don't know all of the answers, of course, but here are some initial thoughts. Number one, I think being clear going into a conversation of this nature that the objective is to 
connect and learn and progress versus to attack or prove someone wrong or to be right. Number two, to be curious and maybe even challenge certain statements by asking questions and opening up the conversation and inquiring further. So in the same way that I mentioned, you know, using that kind of technique of asking myself questions and trying to understand myself a little bit deeper and where these thoughts are coming from and trying to discern whether they're actually truthfully from within myself, kind of extending that line of inquiry to other people. And I just find that curiosity and even asking questions can open up the conversation a bit more than immediately shutting someone down. And one more thing that I found to be sort of conducive to productive conversation, especially when it relates to difficult topics, is I find that framing things through the lens of how something makes me feel versus, you know, making assumptions or accusations or telling someone else how they should act or feel, I find that is also a lot more effective. And I experiment with this in different ways a lot online. I actually really enjoy it. I mean, it doesn't really feel good to be on the receiving end of a comment that feels aggressive, but sometimes I actually use comments like that and not just misogynistic comments necessarily, but just aggressive, mean, or judgmental comments. I use them as an opportunity to kind of practice, you know, trying to take the conversation in a different direction rather than just like engaging in that really aggressive behavior. And I've had some really interesting conversations just by shifting the energy a little bit. So that's kind of where I'm at with respect to becoming more comfortable having difficult conversations or challenging or interrupting these kind of dynamics that we see playing out or comments that are made, whether that's in our friend groups or in our family or even online, sort of wherever we feel safe having those conversations. I did ask for your input on Instagram for this episode, specifically ideas that you have for interrupting these dynamics and moving forward. And so I'll read out a couple of the submissions. I'm seeing a lot of similar themes to what I've shared in this episode. So this person said, Practicing compassion for yourself and the aspect of yourself who is experiencing this inner dynamic. Asking questions like, why do I feel like I can't have what they have? In other words, what I want. Another person said, recognizing those thoughts and making a conscious effort to disrupt the thought and change. So speaking to, you know, what I discussed at the beginning of this episode of starting with the internal and making a conscious effort to introduce a new way of thinking, even if we've identified that we are on some level internalizing some of what we're witnessing on the external level. So I really resonate with that. 
And then one more very similar answer, becoming aware of those thoughts and understanding why we have them. So your set of questions in terms of why you're thinking a certain thing or why you feel compelled to participate in a certain judgment, I think that set of questions may look different from person to person. And maybe even writing down a few questions for when those thoughts come up of your own that feel like they connect with your own unique experience with internalized misogyny. So my friends, this is the episode. Thank you for listening and for participating. I really, really value your input and the fact that it feels like we're able to have these productive conversations in this space in a way that is not judgmental of where you may be at on this journey, you know, what your own feelings may be and recognizing that, you know, we can shift that and we can contribute to creating better outcomes for ourselves and for others. So thank you for being a part of that. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. It's a bit out of my comfort zone, I will say, this series in general, but at the same time, I think there's value in my perspective and I can only speak to my own experience and speak to the audience that is here. And I think we have a lot of potential here to make that change and shift those outcomes, at least within ourselves and in our immediate community. So that can be a very, very powerful thing. And we should never downplay how powerful it can be and what that may look like if we start there. So Thank you again for listening. Like I said, this is only the beginning of the conversation. I hope to keep this conversation going. Definitely reach out if you have any thoughts on this episode or feedback. I would love to be receptive to that. And yeah, you know how to find me. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 